Hey, if you're watching online, hi, my wife's at home. Hi, Lisa. She's been sick for seven years, seven, seven days, but it feels like seven years. Uh, all right, all right. Um, let's jump in here. So have you ever heard someone described as a high-capacity person? You ever heard that, you ever, that phrase used like, oh man, they're just like a really high-capacity person. I don't know about you, but when I hear that, I, I immediately get jealous. Like I wanna be whatever people mean when they say that. Like, I, I mean, I wanna be high-capacity uh, person. Because I always think, I don't know who you think of, I think of people like Elon Musk, right? Like that, what is he, was he run like four companies or something like that? He's shooting rockets into space. He's putting electric cars everywhere. Now he's putting computers in people's brains which is kind of exciting and kind of scary at the same time, right? Like that's high, how does he do all that? Or somebody like The Rock, like he, he just, what, he owns, I think he owns a, a vodka company. He owns like the, the, the other NFL, the other, the other sports thing. Uh, he's in the, in the rest, what is the WWE? He's in peak physical condition. How does he do all that? How does he do all that? These high capacity people, they, they just get so much done. Uh, it's, it's a little mystifying how in the world they're able to do it. Like I have like, I don't know, do they, do they have a secret twin that they keep? They never in the same room at the same time. So you don't know it like the movie Prestige. You ever seen that? Or do they clone themselves like the movie Multiplicity? Do you remember that movie with Michael Keaton? That was a good one. Or, or do they have super speed like the movie Flash? Like what, or, or do their bodies just naturally produce Adderall? Like I don't understand how, how do they do that? How in the world are they so productive? You ever heard that saying, uh, you have a lot on your plate? People say that, people say that. I don't know if it's supposed to be a compliment or not. Usually it's like, uh, for parents, it's like when you're walking around the grocery store with the kids, like grabbing stuff off. You got a lot on your plate. And like, thanks, that's helpful. Yeah, nice. Um, but in my observation, we all have different size plates, right? It's, it's not the amount of stuff on the plate. It's actually the size of the plate that kind of varies. So for some people, you know, you've got like maybe more of like a, um, like an appetizer plate, like the plate they bring out before the real plate, you know, a little plate that they stack, they set the stack there. And you, sometimes you don't even use it because you're like, I can literally hold my bread. I don't need a plate, right? But, but if you got that size plate, like that's all you can fit, right? A little piece of butter bread, little cheese stick, little marinara sauce, and that's it. That's all, that's all you can get on there. And then maybe other people, you got the full-size dinner plate, right? And you can do a lot with that. You can play a little Tetris with the food and you can get a lot on that plate before things start falling off on the edge. And then maybe other people... Maybe all the way in the other direction, you know that little dessert plate that they give you that's like a little tiny paper plate that you can fit like a fourth of a piece of cake? And for some reason, whenever you're handed this plate with the cake, you're always in a situation where you have to stand. So you're trying to stand there with this plate that's just gonna crumble the moment you do anything. Maybe for some of you, you're like, that's what I feel like. That's my capacity is a little paper plate. And then for other people, it just seems like they got a dinner platter, man. Their plate has handles and they can, they can handle multiple meals at once and they're, they're just good to go. So which one do you feel like? What's your plate? What's your capacity? Do you feel like more of an appetizer? Or are you maybe more of a dinner platter? Where are you at? So we're in this series called You in Five Years, where uh, we're taking a telescope out and we're looking five years into the future at what we uh, dream our life could be like, you know, what it could be like, what it should be like, what, what God could do with us five years from now. And today we're going to look through that telescope in uh, and, and just look at one part of our life, the, the capacity side. What do you want your capacity 
to look like five years from now? Because my guess is that you're, you're probably not looking out five years from now hoping to be hitting the edge of your capacity, right? Like nobody hopes that. Nobody's like, oh man, I hope that stuff's falling off my plate five years from now, right? Uh, I hope I'm, I'm hitting the edge of that. I hope I'm stressed out. I hope I'm, I'm, I'm constantly running around uh, trying to keep up. I'm guessing that five years from now, you'd like to expand your capacity, that you'd like to be able to handle more then than you can now. Uh, so the question that we want to look at this morning is how? How can we expand our capacity? How can we expand it? Uh, so we're going to look at a story that's, uh, if you have much church experience at all, super familiar story, but we're going to look at it from the angle of capacity. So the context of our story is uh, that Jesus has just experienced a tragedy, actually. I don't know if you know, but he experienced some, some pretty hard things in his life. Uh, his cousin John died. And Jesus, this is, happens right before this story. Uh, in verse 13, we kind of see his reaction to this. Uh, Matthew 14, 13. As soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. But the crowds heard where he was and, headed, and heard where he was headed and followed on foot from many towns. So when Jesus has this, this tragedy happen, he, he uh, at least attempts to get away for a while. Which to me, this is kind of a side note, but man, I don't know, that, there's something comforting about that. To know that even Jesus, when he had things happen like that, he's like, hey, I just, I just need a minute. I need a minute to get alone. I need a, a moment to, to pray and to process this thing. Uh, because sometimes I think we have this false image of Jesus. Um, you know, it's very stoic. Like, like his response to tragedy would just be like, oh yes, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Like he wouldn't be affected by it at all. Like he was like, like super, you know, pulled his robe aside and it's a little S for super Jesus and he doesn't get affected by anything, right? But this shows you that no, actually, you know, as Christians, we believe that Jesus was 100% man and 100% God. And I know that math doesn't work, but that's God math, um, that he actually was affected by this stuff. That when stuff like this happened, it was heavy. And he wanted to get away and he wanted to spend some time in prayer and he wanted to, to, to um, start to go through a grieving process because of this. But here we see <laughs> that the crowd heard where he was headed and uh, followed him from many towns. So you got people coming from all these different directions. He purposely goes to a desolate place and here they come, uh, which shows us that Jesus also knows what it's like to have a toddler, right? Because you can't have a minute to yourself. They're just going to be coming the moment they sniff out that you're by yourself. They're going to come. Uh, so the whole horde of people uh, is headed Jesus' way. Now here's how he responds. Verse 14. Jesus saw the huge crowds as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Which to me, I don't like, even that is so, so cool to see that Jesus' response, you know, he's trying to get alone. He's trying to just take a minute. He's trying to, to have some time in prayer and he gets interrupted. And instead of, which I would have been like, hey guys, <laughs> get, like, we're getting back in the boat. We're going to go somewhere. <laughs> like I, I would have wanted to retreat from that. Instead, his instinct, his knee-jerk reaction is compassion. And he immediately even when he's hurting, he's healing people. Even when he's in pain, he's pouring it out for others. Uh, so that's what's happening here. They're out in a desolate place. Crowds have come and, and chased Jesus down. Uh, and now we kind of hit what you would call the problem in the story. Verse 15. 
That evening, the disciples came to him and said, hey, <laughs> this is a remote place. It's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. So Jesus is hurting, but he's, he's, he's caught up in doing ministry. And it's, it sounds like it's, it's a long, you know, it's evening now. So he's been doing this all day. He's healing people. He's ministering to people. I imagine he's doing a little preaching. 20,000 people is the size of this crowd. So if you'll see it at the end of the story, that they say 5,000 men, but then you extrapolate out, okay, if there's 5,000 men, it's probably 15 to 20,000 people. So there's so many people that are pulling and, and, and needing something from Jesus, and he's been going at it all day. Now the disciples are over here off to the side, and they're assessing the situation. Their heads up. They're paying attention. All right, we got all these people, and uh, it's getting late, and... Jesus, there's just nothing for it. So, so they, 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 you know, they got their little huddle. I think the only thing that we can do is send people away. So they, they send somebody over to Jesus to say, hey, Jesus, um, here's the situation. 20,000 people, uh, they're hungry. I think the only thing we can do is send them away. And I want to say, like, that wasn't a, that's not a bad assessment of the situation, Right? If you're a leader, you like people, you like having followers like this who don't just have, they don't just bring you the problem, they also brought you a solution, right? It's like, hey, we got 20,000 people, they're all hungry, here's the solution, send them away. This just makes sense, this is the thing. We, we talked about it, we had our little, you know, little commi committee meeting, and this is what we decided. Now, if I'm Jesus, again, I wanna say, hey, here's your out. <laughs> if you're looking to have some alone time, now you can be like, hey guys, listen, so it's getting late, a lot of people. I don't see any dollar generals on the horizon here, you know, to go grab a snack. That must mean we're really out in a remote area. Everybody just sent, because there's, there's a dollar general every five feet, so um, they're really in the middle of nowhere. Guys, go home. And then he could have been like, and nobody would have said nothing. Nobody would have been like, I can't believe Jesus did that. No, here was his out. All he had to do was take it. Here's his response in verse 16, incredibly surprising. But Jesus said, that isn't necessary. <laughs> you feed them. That isn't necessary. Your solution isn't necessary. Now, Christian, notice what he didn't say. He didn't say, that isn't necessary. I'll feed them. He didn't say that. Which even that probably would have been, you know, an eyebrow raiser for the disciples. Like, what are you going to do? <laughs> okay. Like, I want to see that. But he didn't say that. He did not say that he was going to do it. He actually told them to do it. You feed them. So now what we have in this story is, is I believe the disciples had a right assessment of the situation. 20,000 hungry bellies. And now they have this calling to do this thing, this, this uh, command from Jesus, hey, feed them. And their uh, insecurities immediately start to prickle up inside of them. So what I want to do is I want to look at this story from uh, the angle of capacity. What can we learn about capacity from this story and here's our first lesson about capacity. Your capacity grows when you believe it can. When you believe that it can. Um, I think so often 
people kind of assume that whatever their capacity is, uh, that's it. And it's set. Like whatever size plate you have, that's the size plate that you have. You kind of think about it uh, the same way you think about like how tall you are. Uh, you, you know, did anybody when you were younger, you, you hoped to be taller than you currently are? Did anybody have hopes and dreams that did not pan out? You know, and did you notice they all told you that if you ate your vegetables, you'd be taller and they lied. I just, just, just come to the conclusion they were lying to you. I also wanted to be taller. I know some of you are like, screw you, man. I know, I'm 6'2". But listen, I wanted to be, and I was actually very specific about this, I wanted to be 6'6", because Michael Jordan was 6'6", and that's how tall I went. One person is 6'6", in the room. Congratulations. I'm jealous of you. I wanted to be 6'6", because Michael Jordan was 6'6". Man, I wanted to be like Mike. You guys remember that song? I wanted to be like Mike. I wanted to be 6'6". And... Um, because my goal was to play for the Cavs and that was what I wanted to do and I knew that I had to be a little bit taller to do that and you're like, 6'2 eh, is not bad. Listen, in the NBA, there's only like 20 guys that are 6'2 and shorter. You're super short in the NBA if you're 6'2 and that's what I wanted and I didn't get it. And there's nothing I could do about it. And I think some of you think about your capacity the same kind of way, that you're stuck. Whatever you can handle is what you can handle and that's what you're gonna be able to handle for the rest of your life. But Jesus, when he said that isn't necessary, I think one, he was talking about sending people away, but two, I think he was talking about their own self-imposed limitations. Those aren't necessary either. You've decided you can't, so you can't. Not necessary. Your capacity can't grow if you don't think it can grow. Your, your pre-decided limitations that you've placed on yourself are going to be the edges of your capacity. The size plate that you have, if you think that's the only size plate you're ever gonna have, that is gonna be true. It's going to become a, a self-fulfilling prophecy. So the first step in growing your capacity is just believing that it can grow. You, you just have to believe that it's possible, that you'll be able to handle more. And I bet you can probably, I, I think you probably know because I'm guessing, especially, okay, if you have kids, do you remember before you had kids how you got overwhelmed and how you thought, oh, I'm tired? <laughs> you didn't know what tired was before you had kids. And then you have a newborn and you're like, I guess I need way less sleep than I thought, right? All of a sudden you realize that your capacity can grow because what it was then, it is not now. And I believe that can keep happening. You can keep growing your capacity. So that's the first lesson. Don't predecide that this is who I am. This is my capacity. And this is, this is just what I'm going to have to live with. No, your capacity grows if you believe it can. Second capacity lesson from this story is your capacity grows when you take responsibility. Jesus said, you feed them. You feed them. Now, you have to imagine the scenario. You have to imagine what's actually happening here. So Jesus is doing his thing. He's doing his Jesus thing. His disciples are over here having this little conversation. I imagine, you know, they come to this conclusion. And again, it's a good, logical conclusion. There's a lot of people. We don't have anything. Like, okay, let's send them all away. All right, somebody go tell them. All right, Peter. Uh, uh, Peter goes and he's like, all right, I'm going to go tell Jesus. Jesus, he walks up to Jesus. You know, he does the little, the little like secret service thing. Like, hey, Jesus. So here's what we, you know, he's trying to tell him a little quiet. We don't think we can do this. We're going to have to send him away. And I wonder if, if Jesus, you know, maybe Peter whispered that in Jesus' ear, but I wonder if Jesus didn't speak real out loud 
and, and like loud enough for maybe even some of the crowd to hear, that isn't necessary. You feed them. And I wonder how Peter felt in that situation. Because like, you know, I don't know if the whole crowd could hear, but maybe a couple hundred people just heard you feed them. And then all the eyes that were on Jesus transfer to Peter. <laughs> and they're like, hey, the food guy, you're the food guy. You're going to feed us? Jesus said, you're going to feed us. So all of a sudden, this weight of feeding 20,000 people gets put on the disciples' shoulders. This responsibility for 20,000 hungry bellies just gets put on them by Jesus. And I don't know about you, but like my instinct, <laughs> when I get close to the edge of my capacity, is to almost like physically put my hands up like this. <laughs> Ooh, I can't do that. <laughs> Does anybody do that? Did anybody, the moment you got like a lot of stuff on your plate and you're like, ooh, this potato's kind of hanging over the edge here. Like I've got a lot going on here. And somebody starts to go put something else on your plate. You want to smack their hand and be like, eh, don't put that on me. You kind of have a, I can't take responsibility for any more things kind of an attitude. And maybe, maybe you even, uh, you start quoting that verse to yourself. You know, that verse, that verse that says, uh, God won't give me anything that I, God won't give me more than I can handle. You quote that verse to yourself? <sighs> Such a comforting verse. You know, the problem with that verse, it's, it's not in the Bible. <laughs> it's made up. Uh, did you know that? I'm sorry if I'm bursting anybody's bubble. That verse is just not in the Bible anywhere. I've read through it actually a lot, I want to say, and I've never come across it. It's not in there. It's something like I know I like some, I skim through Leviticus sometimes, but I don't think it's snuck in there either. It's not in there. Now, I think I know where it comes from. There's this verse uh, in, in uh, I think it's 2 Corinthians that talks about, um, it says that God will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. He'll always provide a way out. So I think what people do is they read that and then they kind of summarize it. And they're like, well, yeah, God won't give me more than I can handle. The interesting thing about that is though, I think when you say, you know, the made up verse, God won't give me more than I can handle. And then when you actually read the real one and it says God won't allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, they're actually at their core opposites. Because this one over here, when you say God won't give me more than I can handle, that is a, a responsibility shirking kind of an attitude, right? Like, hey, if, if, if God won't give me more than I can handle, and I feel like that's more than I can handle, then it's not mine, right? You kind of almost put your hands up when you quote that verse. But if you read this one and you're like, hey, God won't allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, it's actually a responsibility taking verse where you're like, hey, um, anything I face in my life, I never can like say, oh man, I really had to mess that one up. No, like this says that there's nothing that you face where God's not gonna give you a way out where you have to sin or have to do something that would be displeasing to him. You can always do what God wants you to do as a Christian. So it's a responsibility taking verse. <laughs> now, think about how this would work if you get these first two things wrong. If, the fir if first you think, hey, my capacity is what my capacity is, it's set. And then you add that to this idea that, hey, I actually don't believe God will give me anything like bigger than I can handle. If you put those two things together, do you realize what your life's gonna be like if you think my capacity's set and God would never give me more than I can handle? That means you just gave yourself a glass ceiling. 
that, that anytime something big comes your way that you perceive to be bigger than you, you're going to automatically go, that's not from God. God would never do that to me. And I, 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 my capacity set, this is what it is. And if, he's, if there's something that's bigger than my capacity, there's no way it's mine. So you're going to immediately push away from anything that seems big. But what if? What if those two things aren't true? What if your capacity's not set? And actually, what if God actually does this kind of stuff? Because I will say the opposite is true as well. There's no verse that says that God will give you more than you can handle, but there are a whole lot of stories that show that he does. This is one. I don't know about you, but if I'm the disciples, you know, I don't know, Philip standing over here, heard Jesus say, that isn't necessary, you feed them. What? 20,000 people? Hey, Jesus, haven't you ever read that verse that said God won't give us more than we can handle? And Jesus is like, no, because <laughs> it's not in there, right? He just did it. He just gave them something bigger than that they could handle. He just put them in a situation that was too big for them. And it wasn't an accident. It wasn't an accident. Jesus did this on purpose. What if sometimes God sends things your way that are bigger than you because he's gonna use that thing to grow you, to, to, to expand your capacity? So don't, don't do that thing where you start pushing at the moment it feels like too much, you start pushing away. What if Jesus is like, no, 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 I'm using this to grow you. I'm using this to, to expand your capacity. The only way for your capacity to grow is if you take responsibility. The moment you start shoving things off, you're stuck. You're stuck. You feed them. You feed them. So your capacity grows when you believe it can. Your capacity grows when you take responsibility. Third thing we see in this story is your capacity grows outside of your comfort zone. Your capacity grows outside of your comfort zone. Um, so Jesus says this, you feed them. Again, I just imagine it to be loud enough for lots of people to hear the spotlight gets put on them. They're all standing there <laughs> like, uh-oh. Here's their response, verse 17. But we have only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. You can almost feel the panic in their voice as they're saying this. I don't know which one piped up and said it, but they're like, hold up a minute, <laughs> Jesus. You're pushing this, this responsibility onto us, but it's too much, it's too big, it's too heavy. And what they're immediately uh, pointing out is the distance between 20,000 hungry people and five loaves of bread and two fish. They're like, hey Jesus, there's a huge gap between our capacity and this thing that you're telling us to do. And they're pointing it out, or at least simple. Five loaves, two fish, 20,000 people. Jesus, there's a distance between these two things. And in that distance, there's a, there's a tension, isn't there? This is like a tension-filled moment. Here's what we have. Here's the thing you're telling us to do. That's, they're, just too, they're too far, Jesus. There's tension. Tension. Tension is uncomfortable. This kind of tension is uncomfortable. And I think for a lot of us, we have like this instinct that we want to resolve tension. Anytime you're in a tension situation, you know, you just feel like you want to resolve it. And some of you, like you're, you get real uncomfortable. 
to the point that you, you feel like you have to resolve the tension. You ever been in a room? So, so for some of you, if you're in a room that has tension, like you have, you have to resolve it. Like for you, maybe you just like, anytime there's tension, you just, I gotta leave. I gotta, you just find a way, you're just gonna go. I, I can't be in the room anymore. Or maybe you're one of those people, are you one of those people who makes an inappropriate joke at the worst possible moment? <laughs> you know, cause there's tension and you just, but you can't help it. You gotta, you gotta break it somehow. You gotta break it. You gotta say the dumb thing to get everybody to awkwardly laugh because awkwardly laughing is better than whatever this is and you just wanna break it. Or maybe, what about tension in relationships? Some of you can't handle tension in relationships so you can solve that one of two ways. You can either be the person who apologizes for literally everything, even stuff that you shouldn't apologize for because you're just like, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. Relieve the tension. You shouldn't have took it, but you relieve the tension. Or maybe that's not your style. Maybe when there's tension in a relationship, the way you resolve it is you just leave. <laughs> I'm done. I'm not going to deal with this tension anymore. I'm out. But, but you can't handle tension. You can't handle tension, so you want to resolve it. But what if, what if tension is one of the things that causes growth? What if tension is one of the ways God grows us? What if one of the main ways for your capacity to grow in your life is for there to be tension between the size of the thing God is calling you to and your current capacity? What if that is a mechanism that God uses to grow our capacity? The, the distance between 20,000 hungry people and five loaves of bread and two fish was enormous. Jesus put them there on purpose, in that tension. He put them in that tension on purpose. The tension between what was in front of them and what was inside of them. The tension between demand and supply. Man. And think about this. What's the alternative? If you shy away every time you feel God nudging you to do something bigger than you. If you say, oh no, no, I can't do it. What does that mean? That means you're going to be stuck. That, that whatever your capacity is right now, that's what it's going to be. If you, if you are so uncomfortable in tension that you resolve it every time it happens, you're never going to grow. If you're, if you're into weightlifting, you know that there's a term that we use in weightlifting. Uh, it's called time under tension. That, that they're literally, they calculate the longer your time, your muscles spend under tension, the more they will grow. I wonder if that same kind of principle is true of your soul, that, that tension actually is one of the ways God grows. Your soul, your capacity, what he's going to do in your life. By the way, I don't mean to get all up in your business, but what makes you think you know your capacity? Why are you so confident that you know what your capacity is? Why, are we, why do we come to this conclusion, oh, I can't handle that? Where do you get that? Why do you think you know? Can I suggest that maybe, maybe you don't know? Maybe you don't really know what your capacity is. You have some assumptions. You have some, some stuff that you've put on yourself. But maybe you don't know your capacity. Because uh, the disciples thought they knew. I mean, right? In the story, the disciples, they did math. Five plus two. Five pieces of bread, two fish, 20,000 hungry people. They thought, we know our capacity. Jesus, I'm sorry, that's bigger. But spoiler alert, they turned out to be wrong. 
They thought they knew, but they were wrong. Did you know uh, in the year 2020, I hate to even say it, it's like choke on it. Um, not that. <laughs> other things happened that year too. Um, other bad things. Listen to this. Volvo, car company, uh, in 2020 started putting uh, governors in their vehicles that, that capped the top speed at 112 miles an hour. Did you know that? 2020. See, other bad things happened. And here's the thing. I don't know why, but that annoys me. And I, just so you know, I never go 113 miles an hour, ever. But for some reason, when I read that, I'm like, that's dumb. Why would they do that? Why are they limiting my freedom here? <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't ever go 113, but I'd like to know that if I wanted to, I could. And then I read that not only that, so that's, that's set. You can't, if you have a newer Volvo, you can't go faster than 112. You're stuck, I'm sorry. They also come with something, the newer ones come with something called a, a care key that allows the owner uh, to adjust that speed. Now you can't make it go higher, but you can actually lower the top speed. You, you as the owner can artificially lower the top speed. So you can see some, maybe some good uses for this if you have a teenager and you're like, actually 112 is a little high. <laughs> you, don't need, you don't need all that freedom. Um, or maybe you don't trust yourself and you're like, I need less. <laughs> but you can lower it. But think about that. The car is capable of more. Uh, it's a Volvo. You, you, you could push 150 some miles an hour. You, you, you could go faster, but you'll never find that out. If you own a newer Volvo, you will find out an artificial limit. You will not find out a true limit. What if that's true of you? What if the only capacity you've ever bumped into in your life is an artificially set one? one of your own choosing or one that other people have put on to you, that you've never actually discovered your capacity because you've stopped well before, then you've used your own little personal care key and you've set your limit. So I guess I just want, uh, maybe it's a weird thing for me to want for you, but I want you to doubt what you think you know about your capacity. Whatever, whenever you say this is too much, I just wanna say, hold up a minute. Are you sure? Are you sure this is too much? Or are you just bumping into a limit that you've placed on yourself? Doubt that. Doubt that. So in our story, we have big hunger, big hunger, huge hunger, small supply, five loaves and two fish. Jesus says, you feed them, puts it on them. Disciples say, ah, <laughs> no way. Here's what happens next. Verse 18, awesome verse. Bring them here. Bring them here. I love that. So simple. Three words. Bring them here. What did he just do? Jesus asked for what they had. He asked for what they had. He just, hey, just, just give me what you got. He, he didn't ask for more than what they had, right? He didn't ask for less than what they had. He just asked for what they had. I love that. I wonder if that's exactly the thing he's saying to you. Hey, I'm not asking for more than what you have. I'm just asking for, for what you have. And then look what he does. Verse 19. Then he told the people to sit down on the grass. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up toward heaven and blessed them. Then, breaking the loaves into pieces, he gave the bread to the disciples who distributed it to the people. So, 
Jesus says, you feed them. The disciples say, all we got is five loaves and two fish. And Jesus says, give it, give it to me. And you know what the disciples do? They just, they just do what Jesus said. Here, here's what we have. One, two, three, four, five, one, two. Here it is. That's what we have. They just, they just said yes. So our last capacity lesson in this story is that your capacity grows through simple obedience. Simple obedience. See, Christians, I think so often we get caught up in like the, hey, I'm not smart enough, I'm not skilled enough, I'm not schooled enough, I'm not trained enough, I, I can't, I'm, not, I'm not enough. But what if Jesus isn't after your ability at all? What, what if it doesn't matter to him in the least what your ability is, what your skill level is, what your IQ is? What if God is simply after your willingness? What if the people who God uses the most are actually the people who just say yes to him the most? See, what if we got it all wrong? What if we, you, know, you have those, those giants of the faith out there? You're like, oh man, they're just so smart and they're so gifted and they're so talented. They got all that going for them. What if, what if in heaven, it's none of that. Jesus is just looking for people who just say yes to him. And those are the ones he's gonna use to build his kingdom in the biggest way. The more you say yes, the bigger your capacity. The two biggest capacity growing words you can say are yes, Lord, yes, Lord. I mean, it's a totally different way of thinking about capacity. Because Christian, what, what, do, we, what do we think about this? Like, oh, my, my capacity is this ability to do things, but what if your capacity as a Christian is more about what God can do through you than what's already in you? So you're so worried about, you know, straining yourself and figuring this out, but what if, God working through you is what your capacity is. So then your capacity is completely dependent upon your obedience. The more you say yes, the bigger your capacity for God to work through you in this life. And that's, that's what capacity growing really is, is allowing God to work through me. Allowing God to work through me, that's my capacity. How much am I allowing God to work through me? Now, next couple of verses are the big transition. <laughs> Verse 20, 20 and 21. They all ate as much as they wanted. And afterwards, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. About 5,000 men were fed that day in addition to all the women and children. I love that they counted. Somebody's like, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta see how big this is, this is crazy. And they counted. So the, the, to sum up this story, the calling is bigger than the disciples. The disciples give Jesus what they have, Jesus gives it back and the supply ends up being bigger than the calling. Or if I could simplify it even further, before Jesus, not enough. After Jesus, more than enough. Isn't that what just happened? This was not some ration thing. It wasn't like, here's your tiny little piece of bread. It said that every single person, 20,000 people ate as much as they wanted. And the disciples were walking around like, anybody need any more? Anybody need any more? And they're like, oh man, I'm full. 
and all 12 disciples come back with baskets that each individually is more than what they started with collectively. It's crazy. It's not like, it's one of those, what I love about this is not just like a miracle that did the thing. It's like, God's like, hey, I just wanna show you that I can give you more than enough. I'm gonna, I just wanna show you how, how incredibly powerful I am, that you're literally gonna have extra. It's, it's that much. And maybe that's, Maybe this is kind of where you feel like your, li your life is. Like maybe, maybe not enough is what you've been feeling. Where the disciples were. That would have been the theme of the day. Hey Jesus, 20,000 hungry people, five loaves, two fish, not enough. That's our theme for the day, Jesus, not enough. And maybe that's where you're at. Maybe this is your, maybe this is your life. Maybe this is your season, not enough. The kind of husband you're supposed to be, not enough. The kind of wife you're supposed to be, not enough. The kind of parent you're supposed to be, not enough. The kind of student you're supposed to be, not enough. The kind of athlete you're supposed to be, not enough. The kind of business owner, entrepreneur, not enough. Whatever it is, you just feel like I don't, whatever is required of me, I don't got it. Not enough. But listen, here's a crazy thought. If you really look at this story, Jesus put him in this situation. It wasn't an accident, right? It wasn't an accident. He saw the crowd, he saw the hunger, he saw what they had, he knew they had five loaves and two fish before they even gave it to him. He had a little twinkle in his eye when he said, hey, you feed them. You feed them. He put them in a situation intentionally where they weren't enough. What if that's exactly where God wants you? What if God has you in this place? And I know you're like, well, that's not very nice. Yeah, but what if he's got a reason? Because really, if you're a Christian, you only really have two choices if you're in a situation where you're not enough. You could just quit or turn to Jesus. Those are your only two options. I'm not enough. Okay, well, either quit or you could turn to Jesus. Because what if, what if that's what he wants? What if, what if what he really wants is for you to stop trying to do stuff on your own? Because some of you, you're so wired that way. If he said, you feed them, you'd have been like, all right, so we, let's see how far these five loaves can go. You get a crumb and you get a crumb. You'd have tried, you'd have got, you'd have got somewhere, but you would have tried on your own in your own strength, wearing yourself out, pushing your capacity on your own. But what if what Jesus really wants is for you to give him what you have? What if he, what he really wants is for you to get to a place of surrender? What if what he really wants is for you to understand that on your own, you aren't enough, but with Jesus, you're more than enough. What if that's what he really wants you to get is to stop trying to do everything on your own in your own strength? He really wants you to depend on him. He really wants for Jesus, his ideal life for you is one that has lived in dependence upon him every step. So if that's what he really wants for you, he's gonna put you in these situations where you feel like you're not enough. Now you can either get mad at him and frustrated with life, or you can say, oh, that's right. He's, he's trying to pull me towards him. He's trying to, to get me to see that I just can't do it. I need him. And he actually wants you to live in that place of dependence on him. 
So sometimes he's gonna put things in front of you that are bigger than you. He's gonna put obstacles in your way that you can't get around or can't climb up. There's nothing you can do about them without him. He's gonna put you in those situations because he wants you to lean on him. He wants you to depend on him. He wants you to hand him what you have. Watch what he does with it when he hands it back. Look at Ephesians 3.20. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. That could be like the theme verse of this story, right? Now all glory to Jesus who is able through his mighty power at work within us to feed 20,000 people with five loaves and two fish, infinitely more than we could ask or think or imagine. The disciples did not come to Jesus and go, hey buddy, we're gonna need a miracle. <laughs> they should have, but they didn't because they, they, they didn't have a framework for it. More than you could ask or imagine. That's what he wants to do. Not enough. Not enough. Maybe that's right where he wants you. And maybe, maybe that's where you're at. Uh, maybe, maybe right now you haven't even decided what you're going to do with Jesus in your life. Maybe you haven't decided that yet. Maybe you haven't come to the conc any conclusions about Jesus. Maybe you have some question marks around Jesus. And I just want to say that like, and, and if you're in that place with Jesus and you're also in a place where you just feel like you're not enough, that maybe that is actually God trying to get your attention. That, that feeling like you're not enough and still having questions about Jesus, maybe what he, what he really wants for you in this not enough place is to turn to him. And for you, if you haven't you know, become a Christian yet, you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus yet, maybe the big thing that he's wanting you to do is to just surrender your life to him. And that, that would be the word, surrender. You're just gonna say, hey, I can't do this, I need you. And I think that could be a simple, you could pray that right now. And this could be a, <laughs> a life-altering, eternity-altering thing for you right now in this moment. You could pray a simple prayer of surrender. Jesus, I can't, I need you. Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, I need your forgiveness. I need your power. I need your presence in my life. And man, I believe if you pray that prayer that amazing things happen. Something happens in your soul. Forgiveness for everything you've ever done. Relationship with God now unbroken. No barrier between you and him and a future home in heaven. It does not get better than that. You just have to come to the conclusion that you're not enough on your own. That you need Jesus and what he did on that cross. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna, we're gonna have our uh, prayer partners come up and they're gonna be on the side. That's all that is, is somebody who's willing to pray for you. They're gonna be over here and hopefully over here. And uh, if, if it doesn't matter where you're at right now, maybe you're just feeling like you need somebody to pray for you. Maybe you have a situation in your life where you need something or maybe you feel like you're not enough and you don't even maybe know how to hand everything you've got to Jesus. You can come up and get some, some prayer in that. Or maybe this is the time where you need to surrender your life to Jesus for the first time and they would love to talk to you about that. 
to take this moment, whether you pray with them or pray on your own, to give him whatever you've been carrying. To give him that attitude of, I only got five loaves and two fish. To give that to him as well. Watch what he does with it. Let's pray. God, I know, I know, I know there's some people in this room right now who feel like not enough. They feel like that little dessert plate falling apart in their hands in the moment anything gets put onto it. Or they just feel like they're constantly dropping things because they just don't have enough, Lord. I pray that there would be a comfort in that, of knowing that you put the disciples in that place, that maybe you're putting them in that place too. I pray for the courage and the boldness to go to you, the faith to give to you the weight of what they're carrying. I pray for the person right now, Lord, who's never put their faith in you. They maybe believe that you existed, but they haven't come to the conclusion that they need to put their faith in you, give their life to you. I pray that they would make that decision right now. pray for this church, Lord, that we would collectively look at things that are bigger than us and know that that's exactly where you've put us because you want to show yourself mighty in that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.